Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Tiva, and it is the 111th episode overall, and it is the first episode of the new year. Happy new year, my loves. Um, you know, the 111 got me kind of excited because, you know, when you first kind of... I don't know, start dabbling into new age spirituality and stuff. And then you see all those Instagram posts that are like, 111, angel numbers, 222 means you'll find love, 333 means your business will succeed, 444 means touch the floor, I don't know, <laughs> whatever it says. And you like convince yourself like anytime, like then you end up like trying to look at the clock for like, you know, like, oh my God, I looked at two, uh, you know, two, oh my God, hello, <laughs> uh, two, I want to say 222, 222. Oh my God. Okay. I really like the concept of time seems to be a struggle for me in every aspect. Adding, subtracting time, can't do it. Apparently just stating the time, can't do it. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a real like touch and go subject for me. Um, Anyway, I remember when I was like most obsessive over it was like, you know, again, kind of like in my first year in like new age spirituality and I'd see all these Instagram posts and it was also when the comedian and I had broken up and I was just like in such a desperate, lonely place and like so stuck on the idea that we were going to get back together because I had like severe anxious attachment that I wasn't like, I, you know, I didn't really know what it was. And so like to me, I was like, oh my God, it's because we're twin flames and we're soulmates and we're meant to be together and it's like no bitch it's because you have like childhood wounds that are activating your attachment system and have you convinced that you're gonna die without this man when like it couldn't be further from the truth um but that's neither here nor there but I remember just like I take these like hours long walks throughout New York City and every time I'd see like an address or something that had like repeating numbers I was like oh it's a sign that we're gonna get back together um anyway do they mean something I don't know I think probably not like truthfully I think probably not um that if I'm just being like super super honest um but yeah that's that's that on it being the 111th episode nevertheless kind of cool and I just find 111 to be very aesthetically pleasing now my favorite is like a 777 situation because um, seven is my favorite number. I don't really fuck with when it's like a double repetition, like 11, don't give a fuck. That means nothing to me, but throw in a third digit, then it starts to get interesting. Okay. Why are we on this? Couldn't tell you. Um, anyway, I went out for new year's Eve and now this is something that's different from my usual MO because I don't like New Year's Eve. I think it's like so stupid. I think there's so much pressure to be like, if you don't go out on New Year's Eve, people like act like you're some kind of like sociopath, you know, although less so now, but still like, especially back in the day, um, there's, yeah, just a lot of, I don't like situations where there's like forced pressure to be having fun. Or like forced pressure to be doing things like into like my favorite nights out have always been like the random Wednesday night when you're like, let's just go to the bars. And then it ends up being so fun. Um, like I just think the less expectation there is, the more fun things are. So that's for starters. Number two, um, when you like go out, out, it's usually like a ticketed entry, which gives you like virtually nothing other than like a glass of champagne at midnight. I 
hate champagne. I think it's so disgusting. It's way too sweet and it is way too bubbly. Why is it so bubbly? Can we talk about this? Like it is so much more bubbly than anything else that's carbonated. Think about it. Like a like a sparkling glass of water, right? Like a like a Pellegrino, right? It has bubbles, but champagne has those bubbles to the nth degree. It is so much more bubbly. Why is it so bubbly? What the fuck is happening? Where are all the bubbles coming from? I don't like it. I, in general, listen, like I fucking love a sparkling water. Like she grew up in Europe, but carbonation isn't great for your tum-tum. Now, you know, will I do it once in a while? Sure. But in general, it's one of those things I just kind of stopped consuming. I think it was when I was in law school, maybe like um, right around the last year of law school. So like six years ago, which is just a mind fuck to think about. I always drank when I went out, I would drink a vodka soda, you know, like every other basic bitch out there. And then I was like, why don't I make it vodka water, like still water to just take all the bubbles out of my life. And sure enough, I felt a lot fucking better. I had a lot less incidents of like hiccups. Like it's just, uh, it was a nice change for me. I in general don't really do carbonation now. There are some exceptions. Um, I drink, uh, I can do that for so long. Like I didn't want to stop, but like, I'm not, you know, we're on a podcast right now, but sometimes Ozzy and I will do competitions of how long we can do that. We actually have this very cute routine. So we'll take a steam together And then after the steam, we do quote unquote floors lava, which is different from how the game is actually played. Basically, he lays on the, oh, well, we shower together after the steam first. And then he will lay on the bed and I lay completely on top of him so that none of my limbs touch the ground. And then we do what he calls stretches, but I think they're more like strength challenges. (laughs) This, This sounds so weird. Like now that I'm saying it out, like to us, it's so normal because we've been doing this shit for like two years. But like, it sounds so weird now that I'm saying it out loud. So basically, like I'll put my legs inside of his legs and I push out and he pushes in and then we switch. And then we do the same type of shit with our arms, but with like four directions. So there's out, in, back and down. And when you're pushing down, like when your arms are straight up and you're pushing down and he's giving resistance, it's such a good app workout. And then we do a context, a contest of who can do the sound for longer. Um, I usually win spoiler alert, although we kind of stopped doing that one because at some point I got sick and I was coughing a lot, so I couldn't do it. Um, should really bring it back anyway. Where was I? Oh, talking about all the reasons I don't like New Year's Eve. Um, so yeah, you have to pay a fuck ton of money to go out. Um, and it's always too crowded. It's always a shit show. Like it's just, it's, it's not the vibe. It just is not the vibe. Nevertheless, I decided to go to the Soho House New Year's party because a friend invited me and I was like, you know what? Like given that I have like fully on my intention list for this year that I want to be like more social and build more community in New York City. I'm not going to start off the year by like hanging out at home alone by myself. I'm going to push myself out of my comfort zone. Maybe it's so much better than I like remember things being like, I'm going to have fun. And I went in it with the best of intentions. I made like some snacks for us and some drinks to drink before we go there. Um, You know, I I really, I was like excited. I was like, it's going to be fun. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to dance. I'm going to mingle. I'm going to be so fun. It was the worst (laughs) night 
ever um for starters it was like raining when we got there we had to wait in line to get in in the rain um whatever i still am like really you know bubbly and like upbeat um we go inside get a drink my drink was so sweet that it just made me so nauseous and it was one of those have you ever had nights where like you drink and like you're not like it's not like crossing the blood brain barrier like it's not you're not getting like the kind of like loose and like fun and social effects of alcohol you're just getting all the side effects so that's exactly what was happening to me so I was like okay I'm gonna stop drinking because like there's no point like I'm not feeling anything and now I'm just getting nauseous so I'm just gonna stop drinking but like I can have fun without drinking so whatever I'm like trying like I'm trying there's like one vegan food item they have I like couldn't even get it down I'm just getting so nauseous the music is awful it's like that type of music which if you like that like go off like listen I used to rave I used to do the whole thing I'm 34 I'm old I'm not into it anymore I like music that has instruments that has vocals that sounds good (laughs) um so the music sucks um the atmosphere is like not the vibe like I forgot I'm not really into Soho House like I've been there a few times it's cool it's whatever I very rarely meet people there that I like it's just it's just not like what I look for like it's the type of people that it attracts not that into um and I like the music is just like like the anxiety that I'm getting and the music is like pounding in a way that like my chest is pounding and it just like I'm like feeling like I'm starting to suffocate and I'm like unbuttoning my shirt and like whatever. Anyway, my New Year's Eve sucked and I just want to normalize this. New Year's Eve can suck and it's no indicator of how the rest of your year is going to go. Not even a little bit, not even in a small way. So let's just take that pressure off of it and... Yeah. And it's not too late to reflect on last year and set intentions for this year. So I have some quick journal prompts. Um, If you're able to just write these down real quick and then journal on them. Number one, what are you most proud of in 2022? Number two, why? And actually write out why for each thing that you listed in the first question. Number three, what are you most grateful for in 2022? List at least five things. And number four, why? For each of those five things, write out why you're grateful for them. What challenges did you face in 2022? What do you want to bring into 2023 with you? And lastly, what do you want to leave behind in 2022? Um, okay. Uh, now we're going to do some new year stuff. Number one, I was wondering, and then, so I did some Googling, are there any like sex trends for 2023? Like, are there sex trends? And I think there loosely are, because think about it. Like no one really talked about like eating ass up until like a few years ago or 10 at most, right? Like people were not, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's an age thing, but I don't think so. No one was talking about like eating assholes. And like, it's something that I would say got kind of trendy. Um, Other things, God, I remember hearing about this thing that apparently like allegedly feels really good for guys. This really freaks me out because I'm like really terrified of needles, but it's not, needles are not puncturing skin. Apparently putting something very, very slim, like a needle, doesn't have to be a needle, doesn't have to have a sharp end, inside 
a man's urethra feels good. Now, I am yet to meet a man who is willing to try this, but allegedly it feels really good for the guys. But then think about other crazy. I mean, have you heard of like people who put like gerbils in their assholes? I mean, in general, I think like the ass has gotten a lot more intention, attention <laughs> and intention, um, attention. So I do feel like sex trends are a thing. And so I came across a couple of lists and I figured I'd read them to you. Like, you know, the consummate professional, the uh, eternal journalist that I am. Okay. So here are some sex trends that I found via research. Number one, achieving internal orgasms. Um, okay. Here's the thing. I don't, I, this is just my opinion. I personally do not think it's possible to have an orgasm that is happening just from the inside with no clitoral stimulation. I don't believe it. I think the people who say they've had it are people who've never actually had an orgasm and don't know what they're talking about. And I can say in my personal life, every single woman I know who has had, who says that she has had an internal only orgasm later told me that she at the time didn't know what an orgasm was. And when she actually had a real proper orgasm, she was like, oh, no, 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 no. what I was having before were not orgasms. It's shocking how many people I've had just so adamant, like they know exactly what they're talking about. And then years later had a proper orgasm and we're like, oh, oopsie. So yeah, I don't think it's a real thing. That being said, I do think a real thing is the fact that stimulating the G-spot at the same time will make your orgasm 53 thousand times more intense. Um, and also keep in mind the G-spot is just the backside of the clitoris. So the clitoris, like the part that you see, the little like knob that looks like, um, do you remember when we all had blackberries? There was that little like knob thing that you'd use to scroll. Um, a clitoris looks a lot like that. Anyway, um, so right, all blackberries, Berries had that, or some models had it. I remember having it. Anyway, um, so that little knob that you see is only the external part of the clitoris. Like it's the tip of the iceberg, so to say. There's a bunch of stuff that goes on internally, and a lot of the internal stuff then comes across. Um, you know, the front wall of the vagina when you go a few inches in, which is the quote unquote G spot. So like the G spot is really just the other side of the clitoris. I Again, I really, really think it'll strengthen your orgasm, but I don't think it's a real thing to have an orgasm just from internal. But that's, that's just my opinion. Okay, number two, ASMR in the bedroom. Um, I've heard of ASMR sac uh, porn. I've never watched it, but I hear that it's like very good. Uh, number three, eco-friendly sex toys. I mean, we've already been on this train for several years now, but okay, cool. Number four, sex education. Number five, FaceTime sex. Number six, praise kink. What the fuck is praise kink? Praise kink first emerged into public consciousness in the summer of 2022 following a stream of TikTok videos exploring the until then relatively unheard of fetish. As the name suggests, praise kink refers to someone who derives sexual pleasure from being praised during sex or foreplay. What? 
I mean, I think everyone enjoys being complimented. Is this an actual kink or are we just talking about the human condition? Because everyone likes being complimented. And also, if you want to get someone to do something that they don't want to do, or not that they don't want to do because that's manipulative, but that they, you know, seem hesitant about, praise them. Like, dudes, if you want your girlfriend to give you more blowjobs, talk about how good she is at blowjobs. No one wants to do something if you if they think they're bad at it. Um, okay, number seven, long distance sex toys. Um, number eight, supplements for sex drive. Number nine, upgraded missionary. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to look at this other list. Um, they have emotional connection. <laughs> Okay. Um, safer sex, sex toys 2.0, digital sex, relationship exploration, sensory play, basically ASMR, lube. Lube is actually, I will say, I have seen a lot more movement in the lube space in the past few years than I've seen in the past like 20 years, you know? Um, so th that is really, really interesting. Now, I decided to make my own blush predictions for sex trends that we will see this year. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot of chatter about orgasms and closing the orgasm gap, but other things. I think we're going to hear a lot of conversation about the health benefits of orgasms. I think we're going to talk about like using orgasms and manifestation. I think we're going to talk about, again, discrepancy and, you know, reaching orgasm and more emphasis on everyone reaching orgasm. I think we're going to see a lot of emphasis on non-intercourse sex. So like oral sex, you know, butt stuff, whatever. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of like further destigmatization of self-pleasure. I think we've seen a lot of this, but I think we're going to continue seeing more of it. And I think we're going to see a lot more like herbalism intersection with sex. So a lot of like sex supplements, a lot of like, um, you know, added bonuses in lube. So like things like CBD and lube and other herbs maybe that are like safe for the vagina. Um, and yeah, like supplements, things like that. I think we're going to see a lot more overlap between wellness and sex in general. So those are my predictions. We'll see what happens. Okay, now I'm not going to talk um, extensively about like New Year's stuff, but two areas that I do want to touch on because pretty much everyone in the world has some element of like eating healthier and exercising more on, you know, their New Year's resolutions or intentions or whatever the fuck you want to call it, the list that you ended up making at some point between December 30th and January 2nd. Um, so here's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to tell you what to eat and what not to eat. And I also don't think this is the right time of year to be like focusing extremely on these things. Like winter is not a time for massive change. Winter is a time for cocooning. Winter is a time for going internal. Winter is a time for deep internal healing, but it's not really a time. Like spring is a more appropriate time for all this. Nevertheless, I made a list of five foods that I think you should eat daily. Now, I want you to note that I'm not talking about things that you shouldn't eat because like enough, 
Like we do enough of that shit. If I hear the word seed oils one more time, I had a dream recently that um, I was at some kind of wellness conference and I just like fucking lost it and snapped. And I was like, we all know, you know that seed oils are not nearly as dangerous as you're making them out to be. This is just bullshit propaganda from the wellness industry intended to make you have food fears and like stay dependent on the wellness industry. Now, how bad are seed oils actually? I don't fucking know. I mean, I don't, I generally avoid them, but I, I have a feeling they're like not as bad as people make it out to seem. And like, nevertheless, like we need to stop instilling food fears in people. Like it's fucking bullshit. And there's so much different rhetoric on this, but here are five foods that I would include in my diet daily. Now, this doesn't mean these are the only foods that you eat, right? Like we're a hundred percent clear on that. Right. Um, but I would include some version of these five in your diet every single day. Number one, and these are in no particular order. Number one, citrus fruit or berries. Um, I kind of highlight them for this for similar things. Um, they're really packed with vitamin C, fiber, they're quick exit, high water content fruits. Um, and they're also like pretty low sugar fruits. So if you're on that like keto bullshit, which if you are like, please get off it. Cause like, I don't have the time or the energy or the interest to unpack that right now, but it's bullshit. You're harming yourself. You're harming your body. But anyway, um, they are lower sugar fruits though. Um, darker berries have more antioxidants with berries always by organic, but try to get one of the two into your daily diet. Number two, dark leafy greens. Dark leafy greens are just the nutrient powerhouses. Like there's nothing that they can't do. They have fiber, they have folate, they have carotenoids, they have vitamin C, they have vitamin K, they have iron, they have calcium, and they're rich with antioxidants. Again, which what I mean when I say that is they remove free radicals from your body before they become harmful. Um, I really recommend starting meals with a big green salad. That doesn't mean you only have a salad for your meal. It just means before you go on to cooked and heavier foods, you have a big plate of greens. It's, it's going to help you digest better. It eases you in. It's going to help you get those nutrients in. And I really recommend using a dressing that has fat in it and just make your own dressing. I have like thousands of recipes. If you're interested, hit me up. I can, you know, guide you the right way. But like store-bought salad dressings, A, like tend to be loaded with like really disgusting ingredients. B, don't even taste that good. Like you can make your own really, really, really good dressings that's going to elevate every uh, vegetable that you have. Anyway, but having fat in the salad dressing will help you better absorb some of the nutrients that are in the dark leafy greens. Number three, raw root vegetables. This is partially because raw root vegetables, and I'm talking about things like radishes and carrots, are really and beets like if they're thinly sliced enough you can eat them raw although i mean cooked root vegetables are excellent also like fucking cooked beets um tubers like sweet potatoes um parsnips things like that excellent but having the raw just has more fiber and that fiber binds with bad things in your body and helps you pass it plus it's good for gut health yada yada different colors of root vegetables have different nutrients essentially these root vegetables are really filled with micronutrients and you know from kind of like a spiritual energetic perspective they're really grounding because they're like literally from the ground 
end. Um, number four, nuts and seeds. Obviously, this is assuming you don't have allergies. But that being said, if you do have allergies, it's usually like nuts and then like sesame is the common one. And seeds, you don't see a ton of allergies to other types of seeds usually, but you know, you know your body. In terms of nuts, like the healthiest five are pistachios, almonds, Brazil nuts, walnuts, and cashews. These five are staples of my personal diet. Seeds, you want to be getting flax or chia. Um, they are kind of similar in nutritional content, but chia seeds are a lot more expensive. So I often just advocate for doing the flax. Now with flax, this is what I recommend. Buy whole, whole, not ground, brown flax seeds. I think the brown ones taste better, but to make the, like flax seeds are really hard to digest. So if you eat them whole, it's, you're probably not going to get the benefits of them. So then you want to use a coffee grinder to grind the flax seeds yourself. It takes like 30 seconds and then put them in an airtight jar that you cover with something so light can't get in and put them in the fridge. Now, the reason you're going to do all those things is because flax seeds go rancid very quickly and very easily. I never advocate for buying ground flax seeds at the store because they're probably rancid already. So you're going to grind them yourself and then put them in an airtight jar where light can't get in and they're temperature controlled in the fridge. This is going to be the biggest game changer for your health. Trust me, you just do it like once a month. You buy a new pack of whole flax seeds and you grind them up and you put them in the fridge. It's going to take you five minutes total, the whole procedure, the buying, the grinding, the putting in the fridge. It's not going to take that long. It's going to be such a fucking upgrade to your health. Pour Pour it on top of smoothie bowls. I mean, fucking... I don't care, like eat a spoonful of it, but there's a lot of uses for flaxseed also, but I'm not going to get into all that. Um, Hemp seeds are excellent, really good for omega-3s, really good for protein. Pumpkin seeds are great. Sesame, sunflower, those are kind of the five that I would highlight within that category. And then if you are someone who menstruates, you might want a seed cycle. So they say, um, flax and pumpkin seeds in the first half of your cycle. So that's your menstrual phase and your follicular phase the first two weeks. And then um, sesame and sunflower seeds in the second half of your cycle. So that's your luteal phase. I'm sorry, that's your ovulatory phase and your luteal phase. Um, I don't really seed cycle strictly. I just kind of go more intuitively. But, you know, if you're having more hormone issues, it's something to look into. Um, I kind of have done it on and off. But in general, just incorporating the amount of nutrients that nuts and seeds have, particular seeds, is insane. Like when you think about it, a seed has all of the nutrients that that plant needs to be able to grow. So think of what it can do for you. And the fifth food that I would try to eat every single day is alliums. Alliums are the category of vegetable that includes garlic and onions. It's a much broader category. It also includes shallots and includes garlic scapes. It includes fucking scallions, green onions, green garlic, garlic chives, chives. I mean, you know, it's a broad category. There's thousands of types of onions. I mean, fucking Vidalia onion. How fucking good is a Vidalia onion? I made these things for New Year's Eve. They were so good. I just took some like, um, store-bought piece, uh, like a dough, um, 
put some caramelized Vidalia onions in them. I spent like forever caramelizing them in the skillet and then some vegan cheese popped it in the oven. Delicious, stunning, beautiful. Um, anyway, alliums are really antimicrobial, antiviral. They add a flavor. I mean, they're the perfect thing to keep your immune system in check. And if you have issues digesting these, you most likely have some kind of gut microbiome situation that you need to heal. It's pretty rare to actually have an issue with these, you know, like people are like, I'm sensitive. No, you're not sensitive. Like there's something wrong with your gut microbiome. Um, so, you know, make sure you're taking probiotics, make sure you're feeding it with healthy fiber and go low and slow. Don't just start like munching on raw garlic immediately. You know, I mean, again, if you're having issues, cook them, but like slowly try to incorporate some version raw. Also, you can also ferment them, which will take away all the things that was causing digestive issues. But I really advocate for you know, if you're having digestive issues, check out the gut microbiome because there's probably something off. So yeah, those are my five foods that I think you should eat every single day. Really like eat the rainbow, yada, yada. You get the drill. Um, okay. As far as movement, movement is so important for mental health. And we tend to talk about it like as like a thing for your body where I think that's where we go wrong in society. Because at the end of the day, if you want to lose weight exercise, you know, is great and can be a tool. And like, if you build muscle, that'll like kind of raise your metabolism, yada, yada. I mean, you'll burn a few calories while you're working out, but losing weight isn't about exercise. Losing weight is about your diet. You can never outrun your diet. And we're not going to talk about losing weight because I, we're just not. I mean, if someone really wants advice on that, write in and I'll put it in a future episode, but like, we're not going to talk about that today. I'm just saying like, it's so like, like think about it. Like you do a really, really, really hard workout. Like the hardest workout you can possibly imagine. You're probably burning like 500 calories max, a thousand max. And that's like, if you have a good amount of body weight right now, and you worked out insanely hard, do you know how easy it is to eat a thousand calories? so much easier than it was to burn it. And I'm like, to burn a thousand calories, you're going to have to have been in the gym for like hours working out insanely hard. And you like have to have like a good amount of body weight to start with, because it just depends on how much body weight you have. So it's silly to talk about exercise as this thing that's tied to weight loss. What movement is actually important for is for mental health. We have evolved to be working with our bodies for survival. We used to farm for food. We used to build shit. We used to dig. We used to move constantly for our survival as a species. We have not evolved to be sitting in a chair all day. The sedentary lifestyle that we have is the worst, not for our bodies, but for our mental health. That's where it's really hurting us. Now, you don't need to like go to the gym or like buy expensive classes, shit like that. My personal approach to fitness for this year is number one, I'm really trying to incorporate a daily dance routine. And I'm talking routine, a daily dance, um, like practice. So basically like my only intention for right now is to pick one song a day and just like move my hips to that song for one song. Like we're talking three minutes. It doesn't take that long. And the reason I want to do this, um, I've heard so many times from so many places, so many people that moving your hips is good for trauma release. I have a really good friend, Michelle, um, Michelle Cassidy, 
wait, her last name is Cassidy, right? This is a girl I talk to constantly and now I'm questioning. Yeah, her last name is Cassidy, um, I think. Um, anyway, she's at the Mishwell on Instagram, T-H-E-M-I-C-H-W-E-L-L. She's a great follow. I know, I know I talk about her a lot, but it's because she's actually a really great follow. And she's been doing this for a few months now. And she said the changes that she has seen to her mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being is insane. Like she said, not only does her body look better and she feels more confident in it, but like everything in her life has changed because of it. So I'm really trying to incorporate that. I'm trying to incorporate regular core workouts because stronger abs mean better posture. It protects your knees. It protects your back. And you know, when you have good posture, you come across as so much more confident and you know, you don't hurt your back and shit like that. So I've been doing this like cheesy YouTube video that this like, girlfriend of mine in college introduced me to. It's called Eight Minute Abs. Just look up Eight Minute Abs on YouTube. It's like made in the 80s and it's so cheesy, but it's like pretty legit. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to do that several times a week and then just continue with my walking. I love walking. It brings me so much pleasure. It's, you know, it's a, it's just kind of how I get around in the city and I'm lucky in that I live somewhere where I can walk everywhere. But also like I love like walking through the city and feeling the air on my face and like looking at different types of buildings and different colors and like different sounds that I hear and different people. Like it brings me so much pleasure. So my advice to you, instead of like thinking of exercise as this chore that you have to do, instead think of it as like, a way that you get to have fun. What will be fun for you? Maybe it's learning TikTok dances. Maybe it's doing other forms of choreographed dance routines. That's something I'm very into. Also, if you have recommendations on that, let me know. Maybe it's taking fucking like trapeze classes. Maybe it's playing a sport with friends or on a date. I mean, Ozzy and I play basketball together all the time and it's so fucking fun and it doesn't feel like exercise because it's fun. And I get to measure how I'm like slowly getting better and almost can shoot a free throw from, but I can shoot it from behind the free throw line, but I land in front of the free throw line. So it's not a clean free throw yet. But like when we started, I wasn't even close to being able to do that. So like tracking that progress is fun for me. I mean, fuck, maybe lifting at the gym is fun for you. I'm not here to tell you it shouldn't be. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be shit like that. It can be walking and sightseeing. It can be yoga. I mean, walking is the single best thing for your body. Not only is it a form of movement, but it's also lymphatic drainage. So you can save money on lymphatic drainage massages and just fucking walk. Okay. The last thing that I have Fuck. Okay. I'm going to skip some stuff because I've been rambling for a long time. Um, so we're going to talk about Venmo next week because I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, but TV Rex, real quick. I've been watching Real Housewives of Miami. I started with season four because they did seasons one through three and then it was off air for a few years and they then they rebooted with season four and the cast was some the same, some different. And they really introduced it. Like it was like a new show. So maybe eventually I'll go back and watch seasons one through three. I don't know, but I hear this season, which is season five is so good. And so if you're someone who's like, oh, I want to watch housewives, but I don't know where to start. This might be a good place to start, start with season four and then you'll be on season five. It's like easy to catch up on. And I hear it's really good. So, I mean, you know, the first few episodes of any like, like Housewives franchise or any show for me are kind of a wash. Um, and then I just rewatched Severance and it is so fucking good. I think it's like 
the most important show to watch. I think it's such good commentary on like late stage capitalism and so many other things. Um, I finished Wednesday. I'm not sure if I shared that and I just like fucking adored it. I could rewatch it. I don't know. It was so good. Um, Yellow Jackets is coming back in 2023. I think not till March, but um, if you have not watched season one, this is a reminder to watch that. Again, one of my favorite shows from 2022. I thought it was so fucking well done. So good. It is kind of like really dark. So just be aware of that. And then I plan on starting Yellowstone soon. I mean, I don't know anyone who's watched it who isn't like absolutely obsessed with it. I hear it's like succession but like it's like succession for Republicans I've heard, but like all of my friends who are obsessed with it are not Republicans. So I don't think that's like a thing. Okay. Um, now that we've gotten through all of that, I have five tips to help you improve dating, to help you improve friendships, to help you improve all of the relationships of your life in this year. Number one, lead with positivity. And by that, I don't mean that you have to be like toxically positive, right? Toxic positivity is a thing and I do not enjoy it. Do not ignore negative stuff in your life. The negative stuff in your life is a roadmap for where you need to do internal work. But I don't think you need to lead with negativity, especially with when engaging with people, especially especially early on. So one place that I see this a lot and where I think it's really, really harmful is on dating apps. Don't, like in your dating app profile, don't have anything that's negative or that makes you sound jaded. So examples of this are like, swipe left if blah, blah, blah. Why do you need to say that? Why do you need to say that? You can just swipe left on them if they exhibit this trait or if you later find out they have it. You can like um, things like I, I've seen so many of like, oh, don't waste my time or like blah, blah, blah. What the fuck happened to you, dude? Like, why are you so jaded? Now, you can rephrase that as a positive, like looking for something serious beautiful, stunning. I can't tell you how happy I'd be every time I'd see a guy whose profile said that. But when it said like, oh, don't waste my time with blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, what happened? I don't even know you. I haven't done shit to you. Why are you starting with such negativity with me based on shit that's happened to you in the past? I didn't do that to you. I don't think I should be victimized for it. Your dating app profile is precious real estate. Do not waste space on negativity. And I also don't think you should waste space on like being repetitive, but that's not really a part of this. I just have seen dating app profiles. Like I've had people reach out to me a lot for help with like their dating app profile. Um, and what I'll see a lot is like people kind of repeat the same information and other like prompts. No, like it is precious real estate. Use every picture, every prompt, every free space to put forth a different part of you as a person. And again, lead with the positive. And a lot of the things that are negative can be rephrased as positives. Swipe left if you're a Republican. How about would love to meet like a progressively minded person? You know, you don't, like stop it. <laughs> um like, and this also outside of dating app settings, like use positive observations as icebreakers. Again, I'm not saying be toxically positive. I'm not saying like good vibes only. I'm not saying like just be positive. What I am saying is 
lead with positivity. Don't ignore anything negative. Again, negative things are a roadmap for where we need to do internal work. And you can vent to like your friends and stuff. I'm not saying like you have to be positive with people around you all the time. I'm just saying lead with positivity. The internal, the like negative stuff, again, it's a good roadmap for internal work. Again, you're allowed to like vent to your friends and things like that. But take a minute and think about like how much of the time are you like positive and optimistic and how much of the time are you negative? How many of your connections are based on negativity? I mean, when I think back on like my old toxic friendships, especially like from law school and stuff, like I was friends with these two girls in law school and like once law school ended and a bunch of shit happened, those friendships fizzled. And I realized how much of my friendship with these two girls was premised around like hating the same things. Like it was premised around negativity instead of positivity. And I don't think that's a good foundation for any sort of relationship. Number two, don't write people off too soon but also don't linger too long. Now, anything that involves balance is always tricky, but let me explain. So a good example of this is if you're someone with anxious attachment, if you meet someone who's secure, you might not be like instantly attracted to them because you're used to the chaos that an avoidant brings, right? Um, I have a really good example of this actually from when the podcast first launched. So I have a really close friend. Let's call her Kelly. And Kelly dated this like massive asshole for five years on and off. Um, He was awful to her. And then um, they broke up and she matched with this guy who seemed like a nice guy. They went out on a date. And I remember after that date, she was like, he's so nice. Like, it was really fun. Like, ah, he seems like a little like timid. Like, I'm not sure if he's like, you know, kind of like aggressive enough for me to be sexually into. And I was like, hey, Kelly, I just put out a podcast episode where I talked about this thing with like attachment theory, blah, blah, go listen to it. And she did. And I don't think she had any intentions of not seeing him again, but she was kind of like, oh yeah, I don't know if I'm like that into him, like sexually or romantically. And I was like, these things build. And especially if you're used to dating assholes who can be like extremely charming in the beginning and like in a kind of an intoxicating kind of way, then you meet like just a nice guy who's kind of gentle. You're like, oh, I need a more aggressive guy. Guess what? They're head over heels in love, head over heels in love. Like she's never been happier. They're engaged now. Um, It's such a strong contrast to her last relationship in every single way. And she literally could not be happier. And he's such a wonderful, wonderful guy. And guess what? He actually is like quite aggressive in the bedroom, which she really enjoys. So like, don't write off nice guys. Like in general, like if anything in the early stages of dating or meeting someone, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, unless it's like a massive thing, like, you know, he talks about murdering his mom or something. Like something where your safety is in question. But if it's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I really am into this person, give it a chance because it could be something like, like, and think about it. Like if things have not worked out for you in the past, why are you trusting this picker? Because this picker has historically been off. So maybe go for something that's different. But at the same time, 
don't force it. And I have stories about this. I mean, when I dated the German, right, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm like really that into it. But like, you know, it's probably just because he's so secure and like blah, blah, blah. I went out with him for a full month. We hung out like two to three times a week and I still wasn't into him. I had sex with him at the end of that month. And I still like, and like really, like I was just trying to force it because like I just wanted the thing, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, maybe I can like force it and force myself to be into this guy because he seems so nice and like the type of guy I should date. So, you know, don't take it overboard, but definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Um, keep like, don't write people off before you've even met them. Don't write people off after the first, second, third date, but you know, don't drag it out for like a full, you know, 19 dates before you're like, okay, no, I'm definitely not into this. And, you know, with friends, I think it's similar. Obviously it is different, but like in many ways it is the same, you know, obviously like friends are different because you don't have just one friend, right? Most of us are dating to end up in a monogamous relationship. Obviously, there are a lot of like um, various types of like poly systems. And if that's your thing, go off by all means. But, you know, the majority of us are looking to be in a monogamous relationship. And so I think you can see more clearly when all of your energy is tangled up into one person. I think that energetically blocks other people from coming in. Um so that element of it is different with friends, but I also think it is similar in general. I think you have to have space in your life for better things to come in. So whether it's a platonic situation or a romantic situation, don't keep people in your life just because you don't want to be alone, because that really is just a reflection of trauma. Once you work through that like stuff, whatever it is, like that baggage, you will start to enjoy and prioritize yourself so much more to the point where you're going to stop like devaluing yourself by hanging out or being around people that you don't actually enjoy just to have someone around. Okay, number three, um, I want to talk a bit about making friends because I know I've been talking about this being an intention of mine and a bunch of you wrote in with like various phrasings of questions around this. And here's the thing. It's a lot harder to make friends as an adult. Like when you're in a school system, whether that's, you know, grade school, college, grad school, whatever, it's so much easier to make friends because A, like people have been pre-screened for you. B, you're constantly around them. And this is the real thing. And this is the key, actually. Relationships, whether those are platonic or romantic, come from consistent interactions. So school is the primary place we think of that, but then also work. Like if you have a good environment at work, a lot of people make friends at work. Okay. Now what if you're not in school and you like don't work in person or, you know, you're doing your own thing work-wise or whatever. That's my current situation, right? The same principle still applies. So I remember this ex-boyfriend of mine who I'm still friendly with. He moved to LA knowing literally zero people, um, moved in a place um, in Venice Beach. And he said that he made all of his friends by signing up for a yoga studio and going every single day, every single day without fail for like a month or two. And he's like, it was that constant exposure. The fact that like, you're not going to go to yoga and make friends 
one time. Like that's generally not going to happen. But if you're at that same yoga studio every fucking day, you're going to be like, oh, hey, like I've seen you here before. You start to have conversations. You make one friend. And then the key really is to make one friend. Because once you make one friend that you actually like and you enjoy doing some of the same things, it doesn't have to be all, but some of the same things, then you leverage that one friend through for more friends. But we're going to get to that. Um, other places, I've made a lot of friends at the dog park back when I used to take Sam, my dog. Now she can't go because she used to be paralyzed. But before she ever became paralyzed, um, we used to go to the dog park every single day. So usually it wasn't the first time I saw someone at the dog park, but like by the 10th time, you know, you start to make conversation. Um, but this could even be like a coffee shop that you go to every day. Um, there's this little like, um, there, well, there's this restaurant that's a block away from me and they opened a little market store next door. So they sell like their breads and like pastries. And then they have a farm upstate that they supply from. So they sell their produce. I go there every single day and ask them if their soup is vegan, their soup of the day is vegan every single day. One time it was, and it was like one of the best fucking soups I've ever had in my life. And now I go literally every single day and ask them if their soup is vegan. And, um, it's not been vegan. And the other day I was like, yo, is this so annoying that I do this every day? And this guy was like, actually, no, because every time you ask, I can get to go to the kitchen and say that someone was asking about vegan soups. And so the more people ask for vegan things, then the more like we're going to supply vegan things. So no, please keep coming in. Now I'm not friends with anyone who works there yet, but like soon, you know, last time I was there, um, which was over the weekend cause they haven't been open. Well, I guess they'll be open today. So I'll go in today. Um, but, um, you know, they were closed um, on New Year's Day and then Monday is like the federal holiday. But like I'm not friends with them yet. But the last time I was there, I did, you know, open up about my dog and how she used to be paralyzed. So like we're starting to get to know each other. Like I might befriend some of these people or they hate me. I don't know. But like whatever it is, if you go somewhere consistently, like if you're interested in something, take a class, whether it's like an art class or like, you know, I don't know, a sport or whatever. Sign up for like a sport league. I mean, they're just find something that interests you and do it consistently. And that's how you meet people. Now, once you have one friend, <laughs> then you meet other people through one friend. And that friend doesn't even have to live in the same city as you. I made friends in New York via people that my brother used to know. Or like I, I talked about this recently. I just like made friends with these two girls um, who then immediately afterwards went out of town. Like how rude. How is our friendship going to fortify if you just leave? I'm just kidding. But I have been in touch with one of them since then because she was so fucking cool. But it was through my friend who came up to New York to try on bridal dresses and her fiance's cousins came and they were like super fucking cool. So it doesn't even have to be people that you know, but I'm just saying once you know one person, leverage that person to meet more of their people. And leverage makes it sound kind of really gross and toxic. That's not how I mean it, but I just mean engage with them, interact with them, and then you'll start meeting some of their people. And then before you know it, you have a little community. I mean, one of like the best um 
two phases in my life I can think of where I wasn't in school and had a really, really strong community. One was the summer of 2011. And basically a lot of it happened because I met this guy and he's was just so charming and so charismatic. And we kind of started hooking up, but we were also kind of friends. And then he kind of moved in. It's a very long story. Maybe I'll tell it one day. Um, and we would just invite like everyone we knew over. And it just became like my apartment was like, uh, the party all summer. There were people over all the time. Like we built this little like click and it was really just through people that we knew. Um, another time where I've had a strong community was um, like the 20... 13 to 2014 academic year. Um, I made friends with one guy who, uh, and I was in a part-time MBA program at the time, but like, wasn't really like super, like there was one guy who, whatever I started talking to, he introduced me to a friend of his who wasn't in the MBA program. And that guy ended up becoming one of my best friends. And that's how I met one of my like best female friends now, actually Kelly, who was now engaged. And um, there was like a click of a few of us that like, really, it was just through this one connection through my MBA program, who I then met like one guy, a friend of his from college, who then ended up like we ended up forming our own little clique and we hung out every single day after work. And it was like a very friends style situation. Okay. Um, another way also was like through online communities. A lot of my friends in New York City have been through this um, Facebook group that I'm in that I actually now run, not to brag. Um, if you are like in or around New York, even if you're upstate, there's a lot of people in the group from upstate. It's like fuck, I don't know what it's called, like TBM, NYC. Um, and if you're into like health, wellness, new age, spirituality, et cetera, because that's what it's kind of around. Now, my personal approach, if you're interested, um, number one, I'm going to put myself out there by like attending events, courses, workshops, shit like that, like whatever actually interests me. I'm not going to like force myself, but you know, whatever actually interests me, I'm going to make more plans with people that I already know, because I do have have some friends in the city. I just like put zero effort into seeing them. <laughs> um, so I'm going to put more effort into that. And I'm just going to, in general, try to say yes more. And I think New Year's Eve was an example of that. But also what I reminded myself of after that is like, I don't need to force myself to go to shit that literally doesn't interest me. I just want to like put more effort into going to the, like there are things that do interest me, like shit at galleries, like stuff during the day. I just like, I don't want to be out at, like, I don't want to start going out at 10 PM. Like I don't want my night to start after nine, like that I'm not interested in, but just like making plans with the people I already know and like putting myself out there and just like being more open to it, I guess is my plan. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Follow along. <laughs> okay. Number four, and this is a big one. Uh, and I have, so, I've done so much research on this, like my entire weekend, basically, I was like knee deep in research on this subject. And I have so much to say about this. Um, okay. So number four, be a better listener slash ask more questions slash get to know people. <sighs> Okay, so let me tell you a story about two different people that I met recently. So I talked about this on last week's episode, but my... 
my um my sister-in-law's brother so my brother's wife's brother I remember I really struggled with this last time had a Christmas Eve party and there were two different people that I met there I actually don't know either of their names so whatever it doesn't matter um but um they were very very different people so there and I walked away hating one of them and walked away like being so charmed and enamored by the other. And this is the difference. So there is a dude who couldn't tell you anything about him. Really? Well, no, no, no. I know little things. Like I know where he lives. I don't know some of his interests, I guess, whatever. I, I wasn't even like when he was around, I was playing with my niece and making sure she was OK. So I wasn't even really engaging with him too much. But this is what made him so charming. He was asking questions mainly about her because, you know, the focus was on her. But he was asking questions like and I was watching him with other people. Also, he was asking questions. He was getting to know people. He wasn't really talking a whole lot himself. He just really was like curious about other people and then when it was appropriate he'd offer like oh I live close to here blah 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 or like this or that whatever very charming nice guy the person who I hated this chick talked so much about herself and listen like I'm a chatty gal (laughs) okay I was debating between going with girly and gal and gal came out I'm chatty gal like I talk a lot like I get it like I know I can be annoying so like I'm not usually judgmental about other people when they do this because like I get it I get it like I like to fucking talk I mean listen I've been talking for an hour now pretty much you know (laughs) nonstop. (laughs) like I like to talk so I get it but here's the thing this girl did not ask me a single question about me, about my life. She just talked about herself. And the thing is, like, I like when I talk to people, I really do try to ask them questions about themselves and things like that. She wasn't even giving me opportunities to ask questions. She just would not stop talking. Like there was one point where I was like, has this girl shut the fuck up in the past like 30 minutes? Like it feels like it's she's performing a monologue. And it was like it like I just remember feeling so suffocated and like I wanted to die to escape. Like I was like, can someone please like can there can the house set on fire so I can escape this conversation? And so I've been really thinking about this and been doing a ton of research on this subject. So I have some I have some things to share and I have some really good actionable advice. Number one, social scientists have found that people who talk for more than 30 to 40 seconds are perceived as boring or overly talkative. 30 to 40 seconds is not that long. <laughs> so keep that in mind. At best, people who talk a lot may appear passionate and excited, but in the worst case, people who t- people perceive over talkers as annoying, self-absorbed, unprofessional, or socially unskilled. Now, if you are someone who talks too much, and I know I've been guilty of this, again, I'm a chatty, chatty gal. Don't feel too bad because the brain gets a dopamine rush from talking about yourself. 
So it's natural to like everyone likes it. And now I've done a ton of research in this because this interests me. I was like, okay, this bitch from this party who was like annoying the living shit out of me (laughs) or other people because we've all met people like this and a lot of us have been people like this. I know I've been this person before. So I was like, okay, what does this like over talking come from? And there are a few different causes that I've come across. Um, Number one, it could just be like family upbringing, like you're modeling behavior, yet a very chatty parent. And so that's just what you saw, you observed. Um, Or sometimes like you had very quiet parents. And so you overcompensate for that by being overly talkative. Um, It could just be overexcitement. You know, I have a close friend who used to talk about Egypt a lot. Um, Because she worked in, uh, like she was an archaeologist who specialized in the looting of antiquities from Egypt, which is fascinating. But like she would talk about like the Middle East in general a lot. Like I remember when a friend of mine, our mutual friend was about to introduce us. He's like, listen, she's one of my best friends. She's so fucking cool. Like you're going to love her. I just need to warn you. She talks about Egypt a lot. And I was like, what do you mean? And then when I met her, I was like, oh, okay, she really does talk about Egypt a lot. And it's because like to her, it's so exciting. She's so excited about this subject. Like her work is so important. I mean, anti-terrorism, super important work, you know? And then like the other side of it, just like embracing other, like whatever. It's exciting to her. I'm going to get back to Egypt, girl, later. Um, Number three, lack of social experience. Um, Really like that girl at that party, not skilled picking up on cues. And if this is you, it's probably me. Don't feel bad about yourself. It takes practice. And if you were someone who wasn't socialized enough as a child, like I was not socialized enough as a child, um, you know, you don't pick up on these cues as easily. So don't be too hard on yourself. Like with anything else in life, it takes practice. It would be insane to pick up baseball and just start like uh, swinging home runs right out the gate, right? You practice, you go to batting cages, you um, practice, (laughs) you practice, right? (laughs) Social interactions like everything else takes practice. Um, number four, self-absorption and narcissism. And these two really often go back to insecurity. And then number five, insecurity. And really what's happening nine times out of 10 is you're seeking validation by over-talking. And we're going to address that in a little bit. Now, how to know if you're talking too much? Here are some signs and things to look out for. Number one, are you interrupting others to speak? This happens sometimes when you're excitement, excited. That's allowed. It's okay. Like once in a while, it's okay. But are you doing this regularly? Um, number two, are you raising your voice to talk over others? I know I've done this shit before and I kind of cringe, but like I can think of times where I've done this. Now it's often been when I've been head to head with another over talker. And so I'm just like, shut the fuck up. I was still talking. Like when I do it, it's usually because I'm mid sentence and someone starts talking. And so like, I'll kind of raise my voice to be like, no, I wasn't done with my fucking sentence. But, you know, after doing this research, I was like, okay, maybe I can like give a little more grace in these scenarios. Number three, um, do you find yourself thinking about what you're going to say next instead of listening? Now, I think pretty much all of us do this, but, you know, something to be aware of. Number four, 
And this is really what I think you should do ultimately, because I think if you are someone who is like that chick at this party, you're probably so unaware of it. Because if you were aware of it, you wouldn't do it. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't just like terrorize others by talking about yourself. Cause it's so annoying for the recipient when they like can't get a word in edgewise. Like it is such a unlikable trait. Like it is a universally unliked trait. And so, you know, as someone who certainly has done it and like arguably I'm doing it right now, although, you know, what can I do? <laughs> I mean, that's what the podcast is. <laughs> but um, but like obviously it's something I enjoy doing. But like you wouldn't be doing it on purpose. So think about your last five social interactions. And I don't mean like a party, like if you were at a party, think about like the various conversations that you had within that party. Just think about your last five one-on-one social interactions and list every single thing that you learned about that person in that interaction and list every single thing that you shared in that interaction. Is there a huge imbalance? So like going back to this party, right? Like that dude, I, I can't, I can't think of a whole lot that I learned about him. I learned like where he lives, um, a few things about his family that I can't exactly remember, but I remember like him talking about it. Um, maybe a couple of other things, whereas he learned a ton really about my niece, not so much about me. Um, nevertheless, like <laughs> my niece was a proxy of me at the time. Cause I was like trying to help her play. So like in that conversation, I was self-absorbed. I was like not being a good social participant. Like, I don't think he walked away from that interaction being like, wow, that girl was so cool. Now, of course, none of this matters because we don't live in the same place, whatever, but it's a good example. Whereas this other fucking bitch, <laughs> I could write a book about her life and I wish I couldn't because I didn't enjoy hearing or learning about any of it. Now, if there had been like an equal back and forth situation, I would have loved, I love getting to know people. I love meeting people. I love when people open up about like their insecurities and their limiting beliefs and like, you know, things that they're working on and things that they're working through and like what's going on in their lives. I love learning this shit. But when you just word vomit all all over me. Like I, like, it's like that I'm not going to enjoy and no one's going to enjoy. And number five, if you think you might be an over talker, you probably are. <laughs> like, that's just the truth. And here's the thing. Everyone wants to be heard. People who listen and ask questions, aka give others a chance to talk about themselves are perceived as more charming, friendly, good conversationalists, smarter, more charismatic, and are overall more liked. So this is really good advice both for dating and for making friends. Now, here are some signs that you can look for uh, like in the moment of you over-talking. People checking their phones while you talk, people avoiding eye contact, people darting their gaze, turning their feet away from you, turning their torso away, starting to make an exit plan, like saying something about how they have to leave soon, people fidgeting, people stop responding or asking questions, or they just look bored. Like with this chick at this party, I wasn't checking my phone, but it took every ounce of strength within me to not check my phone every ounce of strength. I was like, Eva, do not touch that phone. Do not touch that phone. Don't be impolite. Like I was still holding eye contact. I was trying to do all the things, but internally I wish I had died 
it was so painful. Like, I'm telling you, this bitch should not shut the fuck up. <laughs> Don't be this person. And I really want to try to not be this person also. So here are some tips how to, like, actually converse in a way that's, you know, going to be beneficial for everyone. Um, number one, listen attentively. So don't touch your cell phone. Um, here's a quote I read that I thought was really cute. Pretend your eyes are sun lamps and you want to give the other person a face tan. Love that. Love that visual. And then I wrote down a quote from this study that I read. When a person is intently listening to another, he is affected biochemically. Oh, I'm sorry. When a person is intently listened to by another, he is affected biochemically. His brain releases endorphins, nature's happy drug, which makes him feel good about himself. His self-esteem goes up and he likes himself more. Above all, he likes and trusts you more by virtue of your listening attentively to him. The payoff is extraordinary. So just listen, look people in the eye, look at their face. I mean, you know, <laughs> your eyes are sun lamps, their face is getting a face tan. Keep the eyes on the face. Pause before replying. And there are numerous reasons why you should do this. A, like a little silence is totally fine. Don't feel pressure to fill every silence. B, sometimes people just pause for a second to like, you know, reorganize their thoughts or swallow or, or take a sip of water, but they're not done talking. So if you pause before you, you before you reply, you won't cut them off. Um, if they, you know, they were just pausing for some other reason. Um, now, if they are done talking, if you pause and then reply, it signals that you thought about what they said. You thought what they said was important and you're thinking before replying. And lastly, it gives you a chance to actually think and process before you reply. Um, ask clarifying questions that, you know, goes on its own. But like number one, Asking clarifying questions will ensure that you're actually understanding them. There are so many times, think about, like, think about the last 10 conversations that you had. How many times did someone say something that you didn't actually understand, but like you just kind of rolled with it? If you just ask a clarifying question, you'll understand. You'll both understand each other better. It'll make for a better situation in general. Um, rephrase things that you said in they said in your own words. This just confirms like the last thing that you understood correctly. It shows them that you're listening. It signals that you're listening. It makes them feel better. And it can help avoid a lot of conflicts. This is basically the premise of the Imogo dialogue technique, which is um, like a technique for like really romantic relationships so that you don't have as much conflict. If you're like, you know, rephrasing and confirming then you're not taking what they said and twisted it into something else and then getting mad at that thing, which is the root of most conflict. Um, think of conversations like a tennis match. So let's say you serve, you ask a question, right? They answer thereby sending the ball back. Then you comment on their answer and or, you know, express a related point, you send the ball back. Um, so think of it visually as a tennis match, the ball needs to keep moving 
between the two halves of the court. Have you ever seen a tennis match where the ball is just in one side? This isn't football. You're not spending massive amounts of time on one side of the 50-yard line or the other. This isn't even basketball where you're stuck in the paint for a while. It's tennis. That ball is constantly fucking moving. If that ball isn't moving, guess what? Someone's hurt. Someone is not happy. So think about it. Is the ball spending a lot of time on your side of the court? Are you talking a lot or is there an equal give or take? If everyone can just think of this, then no one has to suffer like I did with this girl at this party recently. Um, Ask yourself, how is this conversation benefiting the other person? So like if you're talking about yourself a lot, if you're talking about your relationship a lot, if you're talking about your work a lot, is the other person really gaining anything from this or are they just being polite? Because like people aren't going to like up front be like, oh my God, I'm bored to death. And now let me bring up like Egypt girl again, right? So Egypt girl was sharing really valuable information about Egypt and history and the Middle East and current affairs. I mean, shit that I really should care about. But at the end of the day, the reason it wasn't landing, and by the way, I would say all of this to her face. Like I love this girl like to death. Like it's just, she is so excited and passionate about these things. And I think in those contexts, she didn't like really stop and think like, okay, are other people actually interested in this or am I just talking about something that interests me? And I'm not saying you should never talk about things that interest you, right? Like when you have deep, intimate, personal relationships with people like your partner, your family, your close friends, you should be able to talk about things that interest you, even if they don't interest them as much. Just know that they're doing work. They're doing you a favor by being on the recipient end of this. So like, can you make it concise? You know what I mean? But when you're first meeting people, you really should not be like inundating them with shit that isn't going to affect them. Like this girl gave me like a two year, like walked me through the last two years of her work, uh, of her life, uh, especially with regards to her job. I was like, is there a universe in which you think that I am interested in this? <laughs> you know, like if you just stop and think like, is someone gaining something from this? It's going to stop a lot of over-talking. Just because you are excited about something doesn't mean that other people are. Again, you can still share things. Just make it concise. Um, this is my favorite one. Aim, and I came up with this, by the way. <laughs> um, aim to leave each interaction with a person having learned at least five new things about that person. So like that girl I interacted with at the party, she could not tell you five things about me. Like even though we talked for literally hours, it was mainly about her. Once in a while, I'd get in a word edgewise, but it was just commenting on something that she had said. She could not tell you five things about me. You know what I mean? So like between that and the tennis match visual, I think that should give you a good sense of like, okay, am I being like, am I hogging too much air? And then the last thing, and I think this is what all of over talking or 99% of over talking really comes down to is like work through insecurities. Over talking usually comes from some kind of insecurity. You're aiming to achieve something by talking so much. It's either like, validation that you're doing well or you're doing okay in life. It's, um, you know, 
uh, showing that you know things about something. It's it's just getting the dopamine boost because like you've been feeling some kind of way lately. Whatever it is, it generally stems from some kind of insecurity. And that brings me to the fifth overall tip that I have for having, you know, better dating, better friendships, better relationships, etc. in this year. And that is work through your limiting beliefs. Now I'm using limiting beliefs as kind of an umbrella term for all insecurities, blocks, whatever. These are beliefs that you have usually on a subconscious level that are limiting you from your full potential. Most conflict in relationships is because of the filter that we're applying. And that filter is based on our own insecurities, our own blocks, our own limiting beliefs. So I have several examples of this. Um, One, when I was in law school, one of the two girls that I mentioned that I had kind of a toxic friendship with, um, let's call her Hillary. Um, So... She was at my place once and then this like couple from her law school came over and they were saying that they thought that she was like really young, right? Because we were kind of like, because law school was, a lot of people entered, most people go to law school straight from college, but some people take time off. I took four years off, which is like a lifetime in law school. Um, But this girl came straight through and they were like, yeah, yeah, I assumed that you were straight through. And to many people thinking someone thinking that you're younger would be a compliment, right? When people tell me that they think I look younger, I'm thrilled. But to this girl, like she got so offended because the filter that she was applying was like, she had like an insecurity about seeming immature. That was her own insecurity. They weren't doing anything to play on that. That was her own insecurity, but like she ended up having a negative interaction with them, at least like personally for her, because she was offended by that again, which just goes back to her own insecurity. Um, I have another like very recent example of this, which is like kind of minor, but again, just like shows you. Um, so I sent this like mirror selfie nude to Ozzy the other day. And he wrote back something about a fanny pack. Now in Australia, when they use the word fanny, they mean like pussy, <laughs> not um butt or anything like that. And so he was just making some kind of like, play on words with fanny pack and like, you know, my quote unquote panty, fanny, aka my labia showing, right? And I wrote back rude or something, but I like, I didn't think much of it. And so later he called me, he's like, wait, 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 what do you mean? Why did you say rude? Like, and I was like, oh, because in my head, fanny pack, right, is like the, the bag that you tie onto your belly. And so in my mind, it was like, like, I'm so insecure about my lower belly fat. I'm just so insecure about my body all the time. Right. So I was like, oh my God, like my lower belly was fat. It looked like I was wearing a fanny pack, fanny pack, even though I knew like never in a million years was that what he was suggesting. I knew it still said rude. And I wasn't like that offended or anything again, because like, I knew that's not what he meant. I didn't even think, I didn't even remember that when he says fanny, he means vagina. Cause that's how they use, or like labia or vulva or whatever because that's how they use it on Australia I literally didn't remember I just like got absorbed in that but I knew nevertheless the last thing he would have meant was that I looked fat right but again I was approached and now if I hadn't done as much work on myself I would have used that as an opportunity to get upset and pick a fight about something else that's what I 
would have done in the past. But because like, you know, whatever, it, it was like it was a non-issue, but it's just a good example of like me not even remembering that Fanny means pussy and just instantly being sidetracked by my own insecurities. And then a very classic example of this is like not hearing from someone frequently. The reason that irritates us usually is not because we want to be talking like four times a day. It's because we take that as a sign and a signal that they aren't interested. And sometimes they really aren't interested, but sometimes we are hypersensitive and there are other things at play. Like I, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might remember Ozzy and I dated for a couple of months and then he left, um, to go back to Australia for work and, um, our conversation, like we kind of fizzled out and then I dated band guy and then Ozzy came back to the U S and then I broke up with band guy and we've been together ever since. Right. And during that time when he was back in Australia is when I really worked through my attachment stuff. And the reason that I would credit for us, like being in such a good relationship now is because I worked through all that attachment stuff during that time. But before I had done all that, so he first gets back to Australia, he got COVID on his flight over. And, um, at the time Australia had a hotel, quarantine. So he had to be moved from the first hotel that he had to quarantine at to now the COVID hotel. You're locked inside of your hotel room. You can't even crack a window open. Um, He's sick with a disease that's like fairly new at the time. And um, he didn't want his family to know he had COVID because again, COVID was fairly new at the time and it was still kind of a bigger deal. Um, And like he was on the news he found out around that same time. So he's kind of freaking out. Like there was like a photo of him on the news for having had COVID and they're acting like he's like patient zero and he just brought it to Australia. Um, So there were all these things going on in his mind. Plus like he was sick, he was sleeping a lot. But in my head, I was like, okay, so he has COVID. He's stuck in a hotel room. He can't do anything. Like, why would he not want to be talking to me 24 seven? Like if I were in that scenario, all I would want is to be like texting with me for like a form of entertainment. But like he, A, doesn't process things that way. And B, was sick and wanted to sleep. And so after that, we kind of fizzled out, right? And then I started dating Van Guy, and I remember I got really, really sick, and I had like a really bad fever, not COVID. I still haven't had COVID. I'm starting to wonder if I'm like immune to it at this point. Um, But I remember when I got sick and I had a fever, I had this moment where I was like, shit, I now understand what was going on with Ozzy because I don't want to text anyone. Like, I don't have the energy. All I want to do is sleep. Like, when people text me and it annoys the shit out of me, like, I don't care, like, how in love I am with you. I don't want to talk to anyone right now. I just want to rest. And it was in that moment that it clicked. And again, it wasn't like me not hearing from him was bothering me because like I wasn't hearing from him because I like I wanted to be talking to him all the time. If I just like knew that he was into me, but he wasn't talking because he didn't feel well, then which I knew he was sick. But again, I hadn't been sick in a long time, so I forgot what it felt like. And to me, it was just like you're bored when you're sick. But I like I hadn't been sick to the point where I just like didn't have the energy to be texting in a long time. So I didn't remember what that felt like. 
And, you know, a lot of like the stuff with this example really comes from like anxious attachment, you know, having like a lower sense of self and putting other people on a pedestal. It comes from your attachment system being activated, which happens chronically with people with anxious attachment, where basically it takes you back to like infanthood where you're like, oh my God, I'm separated from this person. So that must mean I'm going to die into your nervous system. It actually feels like you're dying. So, you know, whether it's that example or something as like stupid as like the looking young comment or the fanny pack comment, whatever, these are all examples of insecurity. Some of them are more minor, some are bigger and deeper. Nevertheless, these are all insecurities that are coming from you, from your life, from your history that you're then projecting onto situations, which we all do. There's nothing wrong with it. We all do it. That's just how we operate as human beings. We apply these filters onto day-to-day life, but a lot of the time they hurt our relationships and they have nothing to do with the other person. So really like my biggest tip for improving relationships of all sorts and kinds and whatever is to work through your own shit so you're not projecting that onto the current situation. And if you want a really good systematic approach for doing this, we're currently in the Blush 2023 kickoff challenge within the Blush Academy. So if you get a monthly membership, you get access to all those things. And we're only a couple days in, so it's plenty of time to catch up. The first part of it starts really slow, but the premise of it, like the way the challenge works is like, Part one, we just identify the things that we want in life. And the reason that we do this is because it's going to help you uncover what your insecurities are. So part one, you do that. And there's a lot of like elements in it to make sure these are actual like soul desires and not the result of like societal programming and things like that. Um, And then in part two, we kind of look at like, okay, if this is something that your soul truly, truly wants, why do you not have it yet? And we use that reasoning to get to like these deep insecurities that we're carrying around. And then the rest of the challenge is like a systematic step-by-step approach for working through these insecurities. So it involves inner child healing. It involves shadow work. It involves trauma reprocessing. It involves like visualization. It involves all of these tools from psychology and wellness to really work through these insecurities. And if you follow it along, you'll get a really good sense of how to use the tools within the Blush Academy to work through anything that comes up, any trigger, any insecurity, any limiting belief, any block, anything that comes up in your life, you can work through it. And this is the roadmap for how to do it. And, you know, it involves a lot of like deeper psychological stuff and it involves a lot of getting into your subconscious. Um, Like I said, a lot of modalities of psychology, of neuroscience, and I'm so fucking pumped about it. Um, If you are following along in the challenge, keep up with the blush Instagram stories because I'll be like posting prompts and stuff because I do want to kind of connect as a community as we're working through it. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for all those things. And if you want to sign up for the blush Academy to do the challenge with us, um, it's not too late to do so. The link to do so will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm so fucking excited for this year. Keep in mind that 23 was Michael Jordan's jersey number. So it is a year that is destined for greatness. And if it hasn't started out on the right foot for you, that's fine. It's been two days. It'll be fine. Okay. 
Love you guys. Talk next week.